His is the name that is above every name. We know that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We know that it is true. We know the victory has been won. Even in the midst of a pandemic, even with injustice happening in the world, even with the reaction of people around our nation, regardless of what's happening, we know that His is the name that is above every name. Take your Bibles if you would. We're in the Old Testament. We're in Exodus chapter 7. We're going to begin reading verse 8. Read Exodus chapter 7, verses 8 through 20. We're continuing our series on Don't Be Left Behind, the escape zone. We're looking at the life of Moses. As we look at the life of Moses, we're discovering not just a little bit more learning or just a little more understanding about the Bible and what it says, but we're finding application for our lives today and even for our world today as well. We're going to have a word of prayer here together, and I'm going to ask you to pray. I appreciate already the prayers have been lifted and uh, the songs that we've been able to sing and worship, but I'm going to ask you to pray. As we pray about things that are happening today, certainly uh, around our nation and around our world, and we pray, we've talked about, we're not, we're not looking as a church necessarily to go back, but we are looking to move forward, and uh, we're encouraging you to be able to come and Listen, we invite you back to worship, and so we appreciate those who have come here today. We've seen some of you back, some of you again. We see new faces we've never seen, that I've never seen before. I know others of you have, and, uh, but uh, we're glad that you're here today. We appreciate those who are worshiping from home and in other places, and we appreciate that fact. But uh, we've been practicing now for three or four weeks, you all being able to come, social distance, and, and uh, so I say we are image team and our greeters. They're the ones doing it, so appreciate uh, the effort that they've put in. It's a safe place for you to be able to come. We want to be safe, healthy, God-honoring in all that we do. So we invite you to come. And we are, as a part of that, we're, we're praying. We have people that prayed every day, several people that came through, prayed every day, prayer walked the church ground, every bit of it, inside, outside, stuck their head in every classroom, certainly here in the worship center. We're continuing that through June because we believe that this is a transition month, a good time for you to be able to move forward and for your people to be able to come back. And if we're going to wipe down every chair and every spot, we might as well pray for it too. In other words, I think really that's probably even more important. We do have a prayer request today, and I brought talked to our uh, sister church's pastor, Greater Peace, Clifford Jones, and Pastor Clifford, many of you know him, of course, and we've been partnering with them. We're putting off our services of combined services this year. One would have been in April, another would have been in September. And uh, we've talked about that, but we'll be ready for next year. But we continue to partner with them. But they're starting back today. And you understand they have greater challenges than we do in, in many ways. And so told them that we would be praying for them as a church. So I'm going to ask you to pray along with me, church, community, nation, world, greater peace this hour. Let's do that now. Gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come to you at this time. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to enter into worship. Whether we've walked into this room or whether we're at home watching or wherever we may be, we enter into your presence and we thank you for that very thing to be able to do. We pray for our church, Lord. We pray that we may grow together in unity and love and be ready to reach more people even for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lead God and direct us. We pray, Father, for our community that this will be a place, Father, in which... Not only that we might be safe and healthy, but also in which we have, might have more and more opportunities to be able to share the good news here in our community, as well as in our nation and world. We pray for our nation today, Father. We, we pray, Father, for the injustices that are taking place. We pray, Father, that we might be the people 
of God who need to take responsibilities in showing love to a lost world and showing love to one another. We pray for the world in which we live. Uh, we pray for a pandemic, Father, that now after many weeks and months of life being different, we pray, Father, it may come to an end, but even through this, Father, that you may be at work because while what the world or what Satan might mean for evil that uh, we know that you can use for good, and we pray that that will be the case, that we may be stronger than ever before, that more doors might be open to the gospel, and that we might be more Christ-like. And now, Father, we pray also for greater Peace Baptist Church that you may be with them as they're opening their doors today for the very first time, maybe with more challenges than we particularly have. Father, we pray that you may keep them safe and healthy and God-honoring. Pray that you might be with that pastor as he preaches today, and you might keep him healthy and watch over him, Father. And may they continue to have great success in honoring you and reaching out to others. And we thank you, Father, for how they have been a light to the community in which they live as well. Now, Father, we pray for these are gathered here, those are at home. We pray for this very hour. We pray that everything that we might do be God-honoring, that, Father, our hearts might be transformed because we've been into your presence and even now father whether it be here in this room or watching from home or wherever may you remove the distractions and may you help us to be able to focus on what your word has to say how the holy spirit is uh, speaking to us today and use this time father now may the words of my mouth meditation of our hearts be pleased in your sight O lord my rock and my redeemer it's in the precious name of the lord jesus we pray amen and amen we are in exodus chapter 7 and we're going to be reading uh, verses 8 beginning verse 8 and read through verse 20 at this time I am going to have you because we're going to look at a larger section today than usual I'm not going to try for it to be a larger time than usual but you may want to keep your Bibles open or your smartphones on so that if you need to look around otherwise we'll have several of the verses that will be on the screen this now is the word of God Exodus 7 verse 8 says then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourself by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he's going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him, and take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you, saying, Let my people go that you may serve me in the wilderness, but so far you have not obeyed. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with this staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that's in the Nile, and it shall turn into blood. The fish in the Nile shall die, and the Nile will stink, and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers and their canals and their ponds, and all their pools of water, so that they may become blood, and there shall be blood throughout the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in the vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded in the sight of Pharaoh and the sight of his servants. He lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile, and all of the water in the Nile River turned into blood. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. I want to encourage you today, 
maybe because you've heard the story before, maybe it is that you've watched it maybe in some movie that has been out for years and years, and uh, you've seen some of these things, but as we read through, it's okay for you to use your sanctified imagination. We're going to look at nine of the ten plagues, just kind of a brief survey as we look at these, but as we talk about and look at these, and even as we've read today, it's okay to use your imagination of what it might have been like, a real story that really happened, particularly in that day. But can I tell you today, the message for Pharaoh is the same as the message today, and it is this, he is God and there is no other in the nation there are two different kinds of people there's a privileged people and there's an oppressed people and you can tell the difference you can tell the difference by the color of their skin by the way they talk and by the features on their face they represent two kinds of cultures slavery is a part of the history of the oppressed people there's a definite mistreatment and injustice taking place. And if things are going to change, it's going to take an act of God. Now, of course, I'm speaking about Egypt, the nation of Egypt and the people who were oppressed during the time of Moses. And the people who were oppressed were the Hebrew people. Now, there are the same kind of parallels in some of those that are happening today in Egypt, or excuse me, happening in Egypt in the time of Moses and what's happening in the United States today. Slavery, oppression, injustice, and privilege is part of both history. True changes are in the hands of God and in the hands of God's church. Now, let us be careful because the parallels are not exact. Because it was in the time of Egypt, the people who were oppressed, they were the Hebrew people, they were God's people. And that's continued throughout history and even in the New Testament today that God's people are often being oppressed in many parts of the world today and some say that God's people are more oppressed today in parts of the world than they ever have been more people are being oppressed as well and even sometimes in parts of the United States we know that that happens Christ followers however are to practice unconditional love and stand against injustice wherever it raises its ugly head now let me remind you what God told Moses when Moses asked the Lord why is this happening and he felt powerless it's kind of a connection to what we talked about last week. But if you weren't here last week, we're catching you up. But in Exodus chapter 6, verse 1 and verse 5, it says this. This is what God told Moses when Moses prayed. said, why are you letting this happening? And he felt powerless. Lord God told Moses, soon you'll see what I will do to the king because of my mighty power. He will let my people go. He will even chase them out of his country. And verse 5 says, now... I have seen how the people of Israel are suffering because of the Egyptians, and I will keep my promise. When God's people experience injustice, what did they do? What did they do in Exodus chapter 5? Well, if you know the story, you know that the leaders or the foremen of the Israelites, they went to the authorities. Well, they went to Pharaoh. And what happened? There was no change. Physical abuse would continue. Oppression, quote, a number of bricks that they were to make were to remain the same. Where should have God's people gone first? Well, they should have gone to the heavenly authority. When God's people, the church today, experience or see injustice, what are we to do? We're always to go to the throne of grace first where we're to get our marching orders. What are our marching orders? 
to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Also to love thy neighbor as thyself. It's to be the salt and the light of the world. It's to let your light shine so that they might be able to see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Racism is sin. God is love. Nothing wrong with people being part of a peaceful protest, but believers, make sure that your walk is matching your talk and trust and watch and see what God can do for He sees and knows and will make good on every promise. So we look at this story of Moses and we look at these first nine plagues to interpret and to be able to apply ourselves the mighty acts of God. If I were to give you homework today or this week, it would be to read Exodus chapter 7 through 12. We're going to be looking at the Passover, the 10th plague next week. If we get the kind of elements in that come in one package, we're going to place them at every, uh, every chair so that we might, with a gloved hand, so that we might be able to have the Lord's Supper next week as we talk about the Passover. But as we look at these first nine plagues today, we want to be able to look at those so that we might be able to gain personal insight about the mighty hand of God. And if we really believe in the power of God, and we're observing it here in Scripture, and we've seen it in our own life, and we know God is at work. Well, how is it that we're going to respond? Maybe you've got your notes there, or there are going to be some on the screen here. You're watching here at home. We want you to be able to follow along. And we'll be talking about, particularly kind of as an outline for us, what are some of the responses to the mighty work of God or to the power of God? Here's the first one, hard heart. We're going to find these mostly from Pharaoh's response, and then we're going to find a remedy for these as we look along. But we know that uh, time and time again, the Scripture tells us Pharaoh's heart was hardened by the call of God to the release the Israelites, and even by the mighty works of God from the plague. Sometimes the Scripture tells us that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Can I tell you that the sovereignty of God should never be in question? But the question still remains, perhaps, is that your response to the power of the work of God will depend on the condition of your heart. Consider that we have a sun that shines. We're not seeing it today because of the clouds, but you've had some warm days, and you've seen them already. Summer is here. If the sun shines and you've placed butter out in the sun, it's going to melt. But if you put clay out in the sun that's made of a different substance, it's going to become hard. So we know that God does not change. Your response to the power and the work of God is going to depend on the condition of your heart. Jesus told a parable in the New Testament to help us to be able to understand that. He said that a sower went out to sow seeds. And it may be that Jesus had this kind of response in mind when he told of the sower who sowed seed. And he said that some of the seed fell on hard ground and the birds quickly came and took it away. Found in Mark 4, 4, it fell along the pathway. And Jesus said, this is the way it is for some who hear the words of the gospel. But because their heart is hard, they do not allow it, the gospel in their life, to take any root. Satan quickly takes it away. Now consider, some people's hearts are hard because life is too bad. I mean, it's a cruel world in which we live. There are injustices in the world, and because of that, sometimes a person's heart is hard. Sometimes people's hearts are hard because life is too good. Materialism sometimes in this world. Things are going so well in this world that the good news of the gospel cannot get through. Perhaps that's what happened to Pharaoh. Things 
at least before Moses showed up, things were going well. Some people's hearts are hard because there are just too many religions in the world today. How could only one way be the only way? But Jesus, of course, said, He is the way and the only way. No one cometh unto the Father but by Him. In Egypt, they had hundreds and hundreds of idols. They had about 80 gods that they knew that they could call by name. Some people's hearts are too hard because of the sin in their life. They have sin in their life. They're not willing to confess. Or how about this? They're not willing to let go of. Pharaoh continued in sin, it says in the Scripture more than once. He continued in sin and hardened his heart. We know sin separates us from God. If it's true that the world has gone crazy in which we live and our hope is for more open doors, opportunities to be able to share, more people clamoring to come back to God's church. Oh, we hope that's the way, but I'm afraid it's going to be slower than we had hoped. Uh, but we do hope that that's the case. But it's also true that the world's gone crazy today, sometimes because of that. More people respond with a hard-hearted response. Only the Word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit can melt a hard heart. But understand, it must be a choice that is made by each individual. God knocks on your heart's door, but you must let Him in. And there's only one remedy. There's only one remedy to a hard heart, and that's Jesus to change your heart from within. Allow Christ to be able to change your heart from within. He can change a hard heart. He can change a hard heart if that heart is yours. He can change a hard heart if it's somebody that you thought of today that you think, well, if somebody's got a really hard heart, that may be just the person that will turn to Christ and allow Christ to come in. But understand it must be a choice. But then some people's response to the power of God and the work of God, not only be a hard heart, but broken promises. The magicians of Pharaoh duplicated turning the rod into the snake. We read that a moment ago. They also duplicated turning water into blood, or at least it turned into blood, even bringing on the second plague of more frogs. Second plague was frogs on the ground. We almost smile about so many frogs being in so many places about this, but understand it wasn't anything that they smiled about. And then the Egyptians themselves... Well, they, they did the same thing, and more, even more frogs came along the way. I don't know that we can explain why, particularly these three signs, that the magicians of Egypt or the ones of Egypt would be able to also be able to duplicate. Now, it's either one of three things. It's either by sleight of hand, it's either by illusion, or if there's any power in it, we know it's not the power of God, it must be the power of Satan. And while they seemed to duplicate these things that came through, what is it they really needed to do? Well, they needed to do the opposite. They needed to get rid of the, the frogs. They needed to get the blood out of the Nile River, but they were unable to do these things. People try to do a lot of creative things with sin, even make it not seem so bad, even more acceptable. But what we have here is a picture of the consequences of sin. These are called signs, plagues, maybe even judgments all a direct result of disobedient and because they have put to slavery God's people. But today everyone without Christ is enslaved to sin. And we cannot reverse those effects. Only Christ can do that. And it can only be done by the blood of the Lamb and only through Jesus. The first plague which turned the Nile to blood for seven days it was more than a nuisance living in a desert land where they depended on the Nile for everything. Seven days didn't destroy them but it sure represented the power of God. In Exodus chapter 8, frogs were everywhere. 
Exodus chapter 8 and verse 3. It says they were in the houses and in the bedrooms and in the ovens and the bowls. They could not sleep. They could not eat. Then there was the third plague, sometimes called the plague of lice, sometimes called the plague of gnats. I don't know which, I, th I think I know which one would be worse, but it says that suddenly the dust of the earth, think about how many, the dust of the earth suddenly became as gnats or suddenly became as lice. The magicians could not duplicate. Why would they want to? But in chapter 8 and verse 19, if you got your Bibles open, also I believe it's on the screen, that's when they proclaim, this is the finger of God. First time to admit that God was involved in the mission. Do you know the difference between an atheist and an agnostic? An atheist is someone who says that there is no God. An agnostic says, someone who, is someone who says there may or may not be a God, but if he is a God, he has nothing to do with me. And, I, and he cannot be known. Well, may I submit to you that God is seeking to make himself known to all people everywhere, even in the best of circumstances, even in the worst of circumstances, even with all the things that are happening today. God has sought to make himself known. He wants to make himself known in creation. It's talked about throughout the Bible from Genesis 1 to Romans 2. We know that it's talked about God's making himself known in creation. God's made himself known through the written word, through the Bible, that which you hold in your hand or that which you, which you found on your smartphone. God is wishing to make himself and more of himself known to you. God is seeking to make himself known just as he did through Moses in that day, also through God's people. So if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, he wants to make himself known through you. But ultimately, God has made himself known through sending of the Son. In fact, the Lord went to a lot of trouble. The Lord did a lot, extreme measures to make himself known. But many people respond just like Pharaoh responded with broken promises. Time and again, Pharaoh responded by telling Moses he could go and worship. Read with me, if you will, chapter 8 and verse 8. We'll go back and forth here just a little bit, but I want you to hang with me. Don't lose me here. Don't doze off. You don't want to miss this one today. Chapter 8 and verse 8, notice what said. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. But then frogs went away. Verse 15 says, But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart. He would not listen to them as the Lord had said. I had the unique opportunity to have when I was younger. I had as my, one of my Sunday school teachers was a man who had been involved in three plane crashes and lived to tell about it. Obviously, as my Sunday school teacher, he had survived about that. In fact, I think years ago, he was on the old show to tell the truth. You know, to where they have three people up there, one's telling the truth, other two. I think he was the one telling the truth, but about somebody who survived three plane crashes. And you know, I don't know whether you call that good luck or bad luck. And I'm not very superstitious, but i got to tell you today, if I got on a plane and I saw him sitting there, pretty sure I'd take the next flight. <laughs> Two things that he said, particularly about uh, being in those instances, when the plane's going down, there's nobody crying out to Buddha, Confucius, Allah, or Muhammad. There are people crying out to Jesus. And he said there are promises being made. And he said there's... Uh, these things are being, he hears some of the promises that are being made to God to get, to get them out of this thing. He said, but as soon as they, if they, when they land safely or gotten, most of those are forgotten. 
How many people in bad situations? We've made God deals and promised everything from church attendance to giving more money to doing good, only to break that promise as soon as everything gets better. In the parable of the sower that Jesus told, it's kind of like the seed that fell on the stony ground in Mark chapter 4 and verse 5. They hear the word and even receive it. They may even make promises. But in the parable, when tribulation or persecution came, they quickly withered away because there was no root or depth. Now with Pharaoh, it was a little bit different in that when things got better, he broke his word. But I wonder how many times we have forgotten about God as soon as things got better or perhaps when things became really difficult. We often have the misperception sometimes about lost people that we think that lost people, that all of them feel guilty, that all of them feel like they have a great hole in their life, and all of them are just wandering around knowing that they got something missing. And many are just that way. But there are just as many who are without Christ. They're having a grand time of their sin. They look at Christians, some of them who don't look very happy. Not you. You all look happy. Even with your mask on, we can give you that sign that says there's a smile under this mask. But they're wondering what's wrong with us. I think Pharaoh might have been like that. He had everything going for him. Most powerful man, perhaps, of his time. Centuries above the rest of the world. Egyptians had indoor plumbing. We've got a few folks in our church didn't have indoor plumbing when they were growing up. He had the world at his fingertips. He didn't know he was in need until Pharaoh showed up. Life was good. Would you keep in mind, though, people are not saved so that they might feel better about themselves. People are saved so that they might know Jesus and spend eternity with Him and be on true mission, being a part of God's work. Everyone needs Jesus, even if they don't know it or feel like they do. Some people respond with a promise that they will never keep. There's only one remedy to those of making broken promises, and that is trust Jesus to keep His promises. Not that we keep our promises but that God, we know, will keep His. Therefore, your job is not to make more promises, but it's simply to follow and lean on Jesus. Some people respond to the power of the work of God by a hard heart, some with broken promises, others with faithless compromise. Pharaoh did not want to release the Hebrew people, so not only did he keep breaking his promises, but he tried to make Moses and the Israelites compromise. Remember, God's going to free them from slavery, but you remember what Moses first asked. May we we'll take a three-day journey so that we might go into the wilderness to worship. First compromise came after the fourth plague, the plague of the flies. Sounds more like a nuisance, but they were swarms of flies, and they were devastating the land. Chapter 8 and verse 25. Chapter 8 and verse 25. Uh, it, was, it says, I'll go ahead and read that. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God within the land. Go ahead and worship within the land. But Moses' response was that we cannot worship within the land. We're called to go out. It even gave some, since the Egyptians worshiped cows and other livestock, they'd be offended by their sacrifices, reminding us that Christians are to be in the world but not of the world. We're to draw people to Jesus by our love. And then in chapter 8 and verse 28, it says, So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice for the Lord your God in the wilderness, although you must not go very far. Now this is the one that the, Satan's been using to trap Christians for a long time. 
it's okay for you to believe in Jesus. Just don't take it too far. I mean, don't get radical about this thing. It's okay, you know, at church and at other places, but you don't have to be like Jesus or try to live for him everywhere in which you are. There are many borderline Christians who try to stay close to the world as they can while still claiming Christ. Then after the plague of the locust, eighth plague, <laughs> locusts came like had never been seen before on the earth, nor will ever be seen again, it is said. The ground was darkened with the locusts. There was devastation in the land. Pharaoh said after that, take only the men. And after the plague of the darkness, which was the ninth plague, doesn't seem so bad as the other, but consider days after day after day of complete darkness. Probably none unlike it will be for those who are separated from God for all eternity. He said, you can go but leave your possessions. It's still Satan's plan sometimes for you to maybe, you know, be kind of Christ-like when you're at church. But don't give your home life. Don't give all of your family. Don't give all of your possessions over to him. We don't need to compromise. We know that Jesus needs to be certainly Lord of all. There's no compromising with Christ. There's only one remedy. Trust Jesus by making him Lord of your life. Submit to him. And if you're not making Jesus Lord of everything, chances are he may not be Lord at all. It's not unlike the parable of the sower. Mark chapter 4 and verse 7, the one who sowed seed on thorny ground, they hear the word, but the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things choke it out. And the one who hears bears no fruit. Unfaithful compromise. That should not be our reaction to the power of God or to the work of God. Then there's one more we want to talk about there. Some respond with a hard heart, others broken promises, faithless compromise. Some respond with a unrepentant heart there will be those who simply will not repent even though they know the truth in spite of the plagues the plagues of the diseased livestock which was the fifth plague which livestock began to die in spite of the plague of the boils that came on the people and the animals sores all over the Egyptian people understanding none of these things happened to the Israelite the Hebrew people that were in the land but only to the Egyptian people and then to the seventh plague which was the plague of hell that had never been seen like before but I want you to notice a little bit of mercy was shown here because God told Moses to tell Pharaoh that if the people will move inside and take their animals in the barn they will not be struck by hell, but those who do not believe or do not respect the word of God will be killed by the hell. And sure enough, those who were out in the fields when hell came, a hell storm by had never been seen before. Some people looked at these plagues, and even as we talk about them today, and see a judgmental, unmerciful God. But it's just the opposite. He's the God of mercy, and just the fact of the ten plagues and not just the one shows that. First plagues were nuisances maybe. Crops started being destroyed, then cattle, and finally people. Still Pharaoh would not repent. But God's nature has not changed. God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but for all to come to the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yet Pharaoh sinned yet more. 
chapter 9, verses 34 and 35 says this. It says, But when Pharaoh saw that the rain of the hell of the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again, and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the, Pharaoh, the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. There are a lot of people who seem to be sorry for their sins or maybe sorry for the consequences of their sins, but not necessarily repentant. Pharaoh had already learned a lot about God. God is a righteous God, and he cannot overlook sin, and he is sovereign over all the earth. Creation is at his fingertips. He had learned those things, yet he had not repented. Jesus is righteous as well. Only Jesus, because of his righteousness, was the one who was able to take our sins away so that we might be able to know him. Also, Jesus is sovereign over all creation. He is the one who walked on water. He is the one who turned water into wine. He is the one that caused a fig tree to wither. He is the one that provided an almost endless supply of fish and bread, not to mention the many that he healed, those who he brought back to life. Many found out about God's power, those who even saw it with their own eyes. But even many of them did not repent. The vast majority did not. It's one thing to stand and look with amazement at the power of God. It's quite another to repent and by faith place the weight of your life today and the weight of eternity in His hands. Why ten plagues? We're told in chapter 10 and other places, why ten plagues? One reason was because he wanted to show his power and his might to Pharaoh. I'm going to make a bold statement here, and I believe that God wanted to save Pharaoh. He wanted Pharaoh to place his faith in him. But also, he wanted to be told to other generations. Chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, we're told that this is happening so that all generations might be able to know here we are, it's happening 3,500 years later. We're still until telling generation after generation about God's power found in the Exodus. But also it was to teach Moses and God's people the true nature of God. He is like none other. The way to know Him and experience Him and experience the power of God in your life. He is God and there is no other. Has God been at work in your life? Has His power been demonstrated we need to remember who God is. And if you have placed your faith in Christ today, you need to know the difference that Jesus Christ has made and who you are in Christ. Now, if you don't know Christ today, and you're listening here, or you're here today, and you're not sure that you, that you, maybe you've heard about it, you've certainly heard about it today, about God's power. But you're not sure that you know Him as your Lord and Savior. Not sure that you have a home in heaven. Well, today He asks you, He wants to make Himself known to you. And through repentance of your sin, asking Christ to come in, asking Him to be your Savior and Lord, you'll have opportunity today. Who is Jesus? He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the great I am, the creator of the universe, redeemer, redeemer and sustainer of our soul, the true champion of your changed heart. When the showdowns come, and they will, there was another showdown you might remember that took place on Calvary. It is the showdown of all showdowns when Jesus gave his life for us and Christ demonstrated his power. We're to remember who God is. We have showdowns every day between choosing what's right or wrong, choosing to share Jesus or not, choosing to show love to people of different colors or cultures or economic backgrounds. 
and we have choices to make every time and every time we do we need to remember the victory is already won because of what Jesus Christ has done for us and the application is that you remember how great and how good God is and praise and worship and obey him but if you're going to love one another if we're going to be good Christ-like people we're going to be obedient and faithful it's because we have had an encounter and experience with the risen Lord and he's made an impact, an eternal impact on your life. In the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4 and verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil. And those who believe placed faith in Jesus and they bore much fruit. Look to Jesus every day and find your identity and your salvation and your hope in him. He is God and there is no other. And there's only one remedy. Trust Jesus, repent of sin, and place your faith in Him. And I said earlier, if you've not done that, we encourage you to do that today. Give your heart and life to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We'd like to hear about it. We give you opportunity to be able to do that, not in a traditional way where you come down the aisle and take my hand and we talk. But we have what we call membership cards and connection cards that you can find on our website. You can certainly email us. You could do the old-fashioned thing and call us up on the phone or come to the office this week. But we encourage you to do that. Over the last three Sundays, we had four families to join and to be a part. Before the service, they let us know that, hey, we want to join. We're making a decision, a commitment to the Lord and Jesus, our Savior, Jesus Christ. But also, not only do you want to place your faith in Him, you want to grow in your faith. And we encourage you to do that through the things that we're doing as we're moving forward as a church. We're going to find opportunities and ways in which we might be able to grow together, to unite ourselves so that we might be able to grow inside these walls, outside these walls, and other people might be able to see Jesus in us. And we encourage you to do this in that very thing. I'm going to turn our service over to Brother Bobby. He has some closing announcements.